I love baptism services. Isn't that great? Those kids want to serve the Lord with all their hearts. Well, we changed our word up here, as you noticed. What, what was the word we used to have? Apprentice. Apprentice. Well, we've been studying the book of James and learning about how to be an apprentice, how to follow Jesus, how to become more like Christ. And uh, so this morning, uh, you're lucky. They only gave me four verses. We should be able to do this really quick, right? <laughs> Depends if you listen and uh, no yelling. Okay. Uh, I'm enjoying the book of James. It's so practical. It's right down to earth. And this morning we're going to talk about James once again comes back to how we speak words, how we talk. A few weeks ago, Pastor Steve did an excellent job of talking about the tongue and how we should talk. And uh, James, as we noticed way back at the beginning, uh, he'll hit something and then later on he hits it again and he hits it again uh, just to get it into your hearts and minds. So this morning we're going to go to James chapter 4 and verses 11 and 12 to start off. Uh, and we're going to talk to you about an, apprentice, an apprentice's attitude. How, what should be our attitude towards those who are around us? And as we come to uh, James 4 and verse 11, it starts off, Brothers and sisters, do not slander. I went and looked this up. Slander means don't speak evil lies of other people. <laughs> but it also can be, uh, uh, oh, do not slander, don't speak evil lies, don't curse, don't condemn, don't badmouth one another. Wow. What comes out of our mouth. I want to say this. We live in a society right now where our language has just got dirtier and dirtier and dirtier and more curses and more swear words and they're used in public all the time. I don't know if you believe this or not, but Honestly, I never, ever heard my mother or my father ever use a swear word. Some of you can identify with that. Some of you can't. Maybe your mother or your father was swearing all the time, but I never did. But then you have to realize, if you go back 60, 70 years, you didn't hear swearing on the, on the radio. You didn't hear swearing on TV. There was swearing going on, but it wasn't out in the open like it is right now. I was watching something the other day and the news people were congratulating a mayor who in his speech had dropped some bombs, some word bombs, and uh, they thought that was really cool. And I'm going, we have gone in a direction where we're not really sure what's going on. And a lot of times I find Christians have copied and, and are using words, not even realizing what these words are about. What are the words that we use that are used as far as condemning or slanderous or words that are coming again, foul words. Usually they have to do with uh, something uh, sexual, something spiritual, uh, body parts or animals and, and, and the condemnation that comes. When we begin to speak that way, it says, brothers and sisters, don't talk that way. Uh, you know, what do you use for words to when you get angry or when you get upset or when you're surprised. Exclamation words. I hear Christians using OMG all the time. No, just a minute. Well, what are we really saying? What are you saying? Back to the, my, in my family, the swear words weren't allowed. In fact, uh, in those days now, some of you might not believe this neither, but my mother wouldn't let us say, shut your mouth. Shut up. 
It wasn't allowed. Of course, every now and again we would say, Fermi la bouche, hoping that she didn't understand any French. But, uh, you know, the, the, the switch over, the, the way it has come now where kids will just shout dirty words at their parents or dirty words at the teachers or, and it just comes boiling out. And they are curse words. They're words that are causing... Uh, and do you not understand what that's doing? It comes out of a heart that's frustrated and a heart that doesn't know uh, real freedom. Um, what is your exclamation word? Uh, my best friend, Gerald Nigren, uh, down in Latin America, and we were studying Spanish and everything, and he wanted to get the, a good exclamation, exclamation uh, word in Spanish. So he was going through all the words, and he found out just about all of them were like in English, where they had to do with uh, something spiritual, or they had something to do with something physical, or something sexual, and all the rest of it. And he studied, and he studied, and he finally came up with the word that he could use, and it was caracoles. Everybody say it. Caracoles. Oh, what a terrible word. It means snails. Big deal. Uh, my favorite word or word that I use for explanation is rats. <laughs> I have a... I detest rats. <laughs> I don't know how that got into my... Oh, rats. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, I grew up in Alberta. I never saw a rat. Well, we had little white rats in, in, in high school in the, in the lab, but uh, dirty old rats. Out, I never ever saw one until I became a pastor in Texas. And one Sunday after service, I left my Bible in the fellowship hall on a table, and I came back, and a dirty rat had got up there and chewed the spine of my leather-bound Bible. We started a war, him and I. I got the trap, I baited it, and he came and he stole the bait. And I baited it again, and he stole the bait. And what am I going to do about this? Finally, I got a craft caramel, melted it onto the trigger, and I came back, his teeth were in it, and his... Yeah. But after that, Latin America, we ran into lots of rat stories. In fact, one time, Dave Matson and I were traveling from here to Calgary, and we laughed all the way to Calgary, telling each other stories from Mission Field and rat stories and things like, you ever want a good rat story, talk to missionary. Uh, but that's a side point. What is your exclamation? What is it? Oh! And you know, a lot of times we don't think about these words. And, what, and, and, and how do we react? And, and what are we saying? What are we thinking when we use some of those words? Um, I grew up in a, a little country church uh, out northern Alberta. And in those days, in every service, we'd stop and we'd have a time for testimonies where people would stand up and share what uh, had happened in their life. Now we do that, but we do it in our small groups, and we share kind of what's going on in our lives and share, share it there. But in this time, this little group, was this little church, uh, one of the fellows got up. He was uh, from, uh, he'd come over from Germany, and he, was, he farmed there, and he started telling about how uh, he had struggled with, uh, uh, he wanted to quit smoking, and he just struggled with it, and he struggled with it, and, and finally up in front of the, the whole congregation, he said, finally he says, I said, to hell with the smokes. <laughs> it shocked the whole congregation. My dad later on said, that's probably where the smoke should go. Uh, but you know, uh, we don't understand sometimes when we begin to condemn and we use words that are putting down and, and words that, that are very popular nowadays. 
Very, very popular. Uh, because as we're doing that, as we go on the rest of the verse, we're judging. We're, we're, we're coming and we're saying, to hell with you, or we're saying, damn. Uh, I know some people change that to darn, but we couldn't even use darn when I was a kid. <laughs> Damnation on you, I'm damning you to hell, or, or all of the other terrible words that are used. Let's read the rest of that verse. Anyone who speaks against his brother or sister judges, or judges them, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it, sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, and the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Who are you to judge your neighbor? We do that all the time. We judge those that are around us. Over in Romans chapter 2, the first verse, Paul is writing in Romans and he says this in Romans 2. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point, uh, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. How many times have you been driving along, somebody cuts you off and you say, ah! Or if you don't say anything, you use your finger. Uh, you know, ah! How many times have you cut somebody off? How many times have you driven too fast or too slow? How many times have you run a, a, a stop sign and, and, and yet when somebody else does it, you're judging them right away. Hey, oh, and, and use all those words. And you've, you've done it. And if you go through all of the things that are happening, if you haven't done it the same way that the person you're condemning, you've done something in another way that is just as bad. So who are you to condemn? And yet we use these words and we put people down and, and we, we talk about them uh, without understanding that when you judge, you will also be judged. Let's go to, uh, to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 3 says... Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eyes? It has to do with perspective. You don't see what's up here, but you can see way over there, and you can just condemn them, and you can use bad words, and you can slander them. Because your attitude is wrong. What's in your heart needs to be changed. Instead of slandering and bad-mouthing, we need to change our attitude. We need to understand what the attitude of Christ was, and we need to change it. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, there's some verses here uh, that really speak into our hearts. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, okay? Your attitude is what's coming out of your heart, so it needs to be a heart change, not just stopping and saying, okay, I'm not going to say that word, I'm not going to, that needs to happen, but it needs to come from a heart change, an inner change. And he says here, uh, you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature and sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. He says, hey, just a minute. You used to walk that way. Now, with Christ as your Lord and Savior, the one who's filling you with his presence and all the rest of it, how can you walk that way? How can you keep talking like that? How can you keep following in those ways? Set your minds on him and those things that are above. And then the inner will change. He talks here about taking off and putting on. Here's what he says in the next verse. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self. Take off those things. A total change. Taking them off and saying, oh, I don't want to walk that way anymore. I don't want this world to squeeze me into its mold. Uh, in, in Romans chapter, uh, chapter 12, verses one, to, 1 and 2, it talks about the world squeezing us. I think it was J.B. Phillips' translation says, don't let the world squeeze you into their mold. If you think about the bad language now, it's all over the place. You can't watch a television show. You can't watch uh, a movie without hearing all these swear words. There was a time that uh, even if I, I watched something that had one swear word in it, and it just bothered me, and I, I'd shut it down. Now I've become accustomed to it. You've all become accustomed to it, and pretty well, these things are coming into our heads all the time. And what do we do? Well, we need to put off. We need to have, be careful what our attitude is. You find that these words, these things that are coming to our mind, and the anger that comes with them, and the upset, and all the rest of it, begins to take over. And so we've got to take that off. He says, don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed by knowledge in the image of its creator. The way we get new self is being in his presence and desiring to, to, to be filled with him and filled with his spirit. And, and all of a sudden, the, those old things do fall away, even like the, 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 the brother I told you about, the things as he began, the, the, the habits and things that were from the past had had fallen away he was still working on the language bit but that might have to do because he was from a different language background verse 12 therefore as God's chosen people holy and dearly beloved clothe yourselves put on hey if you're taking something off you'd better put something on okay here's what you're going to put on clothe yourselves put on compassion kindness humility, gentleness, and patience. If you go through that, you begin to think of all the words that are used when people are uh, cursing and condemning and bad-mouthing others and slandering others. Nothing fits in here. Compassion. You begin to feel with the other person. Uh, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That driver who's driving too slow, just a minute, whoa, just a minute. Have compassion on them. <laughs> be a little gentle, be a little patient. Why are you in such a big hurry anyway? 
oh, but I got to get there. No, just a minute. Whoa. We need to put off and put on. I don't know what your attitude is like. I don't know how you respond in your home. Is there a lot of yelling and screaming and hollering and things going? What is, what is what 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 do you need to put off? What are some of the things that have been going around in your mind? And you just got whoa, just a minute. Maybe you better check out where the input has come from. I do know if you work in a in an environment where there's continually negative swearing, it'll get into your head. As I said, I grew up where there's no swear. Swearing went on in my my family. I had a job working in public, and in public in those days, nobody, nobody swear or swore. Uh, but then, after I'd been in Bible college for a year, I went and got a job with a bunch of young people working on a roofing crew in Calgary uh, for the school board, and they swore all the time. And before long, I began to realize when I got upset, those words started coming to my mind. I'd never used those words before, but they started coming. I had to stop and say, Lord, I don't want this. I want to think things that are compassion, kind, humble, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these things, put on love. All of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. What's your attitude like? What's in, what's in your heart there? Now, we've talked about that negative, the tearing down, but we need to build up also. So they gave me the last two verses. Those are the first two verses. The last two verses we're going to look at are the last two verses in the book of James. We're skipping to the end, even though there are someone else that's going to cover it in between. Uh, this is not the end of the book of James yet, but we're going to the last two verses. Here's what it says. My brothers and sisters... If one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. I began to think about that. Instead of tearing down, how do we build up? And it talks here about people wandering from the truth. And you know, in this day and age, I, I sometimes get very affected when I begin to hear of people that I have worked with and people I have known who walked with the Lord and they've wandered from the truth. This week I just heard of a young lady I've known for many years and she's wandered from the truth, wandered from her family and her children to go off to, 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 to enjoy the good life or the wildlife or whatever it is. Pastor Steve mentioned a pastor friend of his or minister friend of his who just wandered away from the truth I have a pastor friend who just wandered doesn't doesn't believe those anything anymore just wandered off and you can probably think of someone in in that you've known who has become a prodigal who's left the the truth left the things of the Lord what are you and I to do we're not to tear them down with our mouthing and and bad mouth them and all the rest of it we're to build them up it says we're to uh if someone should wander from the truth, you're, you're, you're to try to bring that person back. You're trying to influence them and care for them. Not talk bad of them and say, oh, look, at the, they've gone, they've done this and this. No, just a minute, whoa. How do you build them up? There's, I, I was, when I was studying this, talks about wandering from the truth. One or two versions talk about straying from the truth. 
They've strayed from the truth. And I got this picture. I got this picture of a nice big backyard, and you got this nice big dog. <laughs> and he lives in this backyard, and uh, he has food, and he's protected, and, he, and you bathe him every now and again, and, and you got toys out there, and he runs around. And what does this dog do? He goes and digs a hole under the fence, and he takes off. And he strays. He becomes a stray. We lived in Latin America, and we saw so many strays. They were terrible. So what does this dog do? He's all excited. He goes running forever. We had uh, a number of break-ins when we lived in Central America. And uh, one time they broke in. I had two dogs. They were basset hounds. Really cute. Really dumb. And instead of protecting my house, they ran away. <laughs> they became strays. And I found them a kilometer and a half away, uh, finally. Uh, but you know, the stray runs away, and he's all excited because he's free, he's free. And then what happens? And then pretty soon he gets hungry, so he has to get in the garbage, and then other dogs are there, and then they fight, and then they get chewed up, and then someone kicks them, and they shoot at them, and they, and, and they starve, and, and there's, their ribs start showing, and, 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 and they roll in the, in the dirt, and they roll in the manure, and they roll in all of that, and, they just, and, and pretty soon that stray doesn't have anything that it had before when it was and so what happens you accidentally find your dog and here he is dirty smelly rib showing chewed up and you bring him back you bathe him and you feed him and get him back in you don't go and kick him you don't go and tear him down but sometimes when we talk about prodigals in this life and someone who has left the path and have gone off and, and we, we, we badmouth them, we talk down instead of encouraging and saying, oh Lord, how can that person be brought back? What can I do to influence them? How can I, how can I help them come back into what God has for them? What can I do? See, the whole thing of a prodigal has steps in it usually. They go off in the beginning. The first is all exciting and then they go down. The prodigal son left home. He had money. He had all kinds of things that he could, uh, he could lavish himself in a beautiful hotel rooms and, and, and all of the different things and the food and all the rest of it. And then it runs out. And the miserableness of it starts. So if you know someone who's a prodigal, I have a number of prodigals that I pray for every day. People who have walked with the Lord and they've wandered off into stuff. And I pray for them because some of them as they wander off, oh, this is all exciting. But some of them are hurting real bad. And they don't need to be bad-mouthed or criticized or slandered. They need encouragement. They need someone to care for them. They need to get to the end of themselves. And sometimes you don't know where they're at. So just two steps. I'm going to just real simple. Two steps on dealing with people who have wandered off from the truth that they had understood maybe as a child or as a youth or maybe 
grown and they they were serving the Lord and then all of a sudden they got distracted and they're off in something else and, and, and before long they are so far from the things of God and they're just hurting and miserable. What do you do? First of all, you pray. As I mentioned, I pray for certain ones that I know are wandering and they're, and they're in different stages of wandering and, and, and I pray for them. Back just a few verses above this in verse 16. I'm not going to go there because it talks about prayer and there's someone else going to touch on all of this on prayer. But in verse 16, I read this uh, in, a, in the, the Everyday Bible. It says, when a believing person prays, great things happen. When a believing person prays, great things happen. So you need... First of all, if there's a, a prodigal in your household or if there's a prodigal, a friend of yours who's walking away from it, first of all, pray. Pray with all that you have. for. Pray for them. Cry out that they will come to their senses. But if you remember the story of the prodigal, when he came back, the father accepted him. The father ran and hugged him. But you know, the older brother didn't do that. The older brother who knew better was the one who badmouthed him. Well, that good for nothing son of yours, you know, that whole thing. Where are you when it comes to those who wandered off? Maybe they hurt you desperately. Maybe they really, really did a number when they walked away from the things of God and they and they've they've been living out in that in that cloud and, and all of that filth of this world Do you, are you the older brother condemning them pointing finger at them saying well this no, or are you the father who are you to judge who are you to judge pray for them pray for them don't judge but as we already read clothe yourself with compassion for them Kindness to them, humility, gentleness, and patience. And if you have to forgive them, forgive them. Yes, you do have to forgive them. Those are all things that you and I need to consider when we're talking about those who are prodigals, those who strayed away, those who wandered away. So instead of the first verses I talked about, your attitude being one of judging and condemning, you need an attitude of care. You need to pray. Now, some of you said, yeah, but I've tried to talk to them. I've tried to talk to them. I've tried to talk sense to them. Maybe there isn't a time to talk right now. But you need to be praying about it, and you need to be hearing God. We teach a whole uh, series on hearing God. You need to hear God give you words to speak to them and when to speak to them. It's not just what you need to say to them, it's when and how you need to talk to them. Without condemning, but what are you living? Are you living a compassionate, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, forgiving them? Or are you the elder brother out there saying, they knew better, they shouldn't have done that. After all we taught them, I think about this when I hear about people that I have taught in the past who today are not serving the Lord. And, and the, they say, well, I taught them that and now they've just turned and gone. The other. No, just a minute, Lord. 
in humbleness and kindness. I say, Lord, turn them around. Turn them around. Would you bow your heads right now? If you're here today and you maybe have been a prodigal, maybe you've been walking away doing your own thing, right now is the time to stop and realize all that excitement of going off and doing your own thing has really been devastating. But the Father's there. He's waiting for you. You just need to turn around and say, oh, I need you, Father. I need you. Run to him. He will open his arms wide. He will forgive you. We have just been singing about his great, incredible love. And for this wretch, he still loves me and cares for me. And he wants to forgive me. All I need to do is turn around and run to him and say, I need you. Maybe you're here and there's someone who is very close to you and they have wandered away from the things of the Lord. They're off doing their thing. They don't even want to hear about him maybe or, or you're very afraid to talk to them because they've been so negative on the things of God. Are you willing to make a commitment to pray continually for them, to forgive them, to have compassion and kindness towards them, to hear what God would have you say to them at the right time in the right way in the right place let's pray Lord we're here this morning and James was so clear about our, what our attitude should be toward those around us and those that sit beside us and those uh, whom we love and care for and those that we work with that we wouldn't be bad-mouthing and we wouldn't be tearing down, we wouldn't be slandering, but that we would love and care and have kindness filling our hearts. Lord, I pray for the prodigals, those who at one time walked with you, walked so close with you, but they turned and they thought they were going to have a great time and they're out there. Some of them haven't even realized yet what disaster they have done, but others have. They've destroyed their families, they've destroyed their lives, and they need you, Lord. I pray for the prodigals today that they would turn and run to you, that they would come to you and they would ask you for forgiveness because you are the loving Heavenly Father who is desirous to forgive. And Lord, help us in our attitude towards them to lovingly care and to help them bring them back. They might love and know you, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen.